Just a couple of announcements this morning uh, and some add-ons. Uh, I think some of you probably have gotten these already, but read through a few of them. Let's see. Well, the first one that I have is the March for Jesus a celebration. March for, or rather, March for Jesus, Saturday, May 20th. It's going to be at J.W. Smith Elementary. So check that out, please. Their gathering will start at 12.15. March starts at 1 o'clock. Uh, for information, go ahead and see BemidjiMarchForJesus.com. Um, another one announcements we have going on, aside from our normal ones, and I'll go back up to those. May 6th, we're planning on a spring church work day, so see if you can get out here and help out. May 6th, we will have a sign-up list um, of jobs that need to be done, and if you want to get into the project or get some things done around here, um, on your own before the 6th, that's okay too. Just contact somebody here. Uh, May 6th, also the ladies' Bible study will start Monday, May 8th at 6.30 p.m. Any questions, contact John Pomp at that number. And let's see, May 14th, we'll be having a child dedication on Sunday, May 14th. How exciting. You'd like to, uh, if you'd like to dedicate another child, if you have one that hasn't been dedicated yet, please contact Pastor Steve. May is 21st, where you're invited to a bridal shower for Faith and Steve and Sharon. You, we are so excited to um, shower them with lots of love in the Fellowship Hall. Again, May 21st, 2023 at 12 p.m. RSVP, if you could, by May 14th, and, or in contact Abby with any questions. Her number is listed in the announcements there, too. Don't forget about Wednesday nights. Great time. I've been watching some of the videos online of the youth group just having fun, learning about Jesus. It's just a great time. So thank you, Zach and Abby. Nice work. And, and the whole team and whoever's been speaking, it's been great. I heard great things about this week, this last Wednesday. So it was a good time. Um, any other announcements? Just go ahead and check out um, the uh, Bemidji Facebook, uh, the Bemidji Ten Strike Community Facebook page and emails if you are on the list. So in preparation for offering this morning, I will... I'm hung up on something. I am really hung up on something. And I think it's a good hang-up, but I, I keep reflecting back on the New and Old Testament, differences, similarities, how Jesus fulfilled the prophecy, how Jesus fulfilled the promise, how Jesus did, kept referring back to Jesus, referring back to Jesus. And, and then I keep going back, okay, to the very beginning. When, you know, when was tithing first mentioned? And a lot of people like to use Abraham as the first mention of the word tithing. And I wanted to go through that. Uh, Genesis, if you could help me out, and if you'd like to join me, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 14, verse 13 or so, maybe 14, right around there. Um, but this is at the time where the body of Abraham and people that connected with him were getting larger and larger and larger. And him and Lot had decided to part ways. And at this time... There's a lot going on around Abram at the time. And Abraham was hearing about Lot's capture. And he goes, uh-oh, we're going to take care of business. So he marches in, and he takes care of business. And that's where we are right now. So let's start at when after Lot had been kidnapped or taken. Verse 14 of 14. When Abram heard that this relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During, during the night, Abraham divided his men to attack them. 
and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative lot and his possessions together with them, with the women and the other people as well. After Abram returned from defeating Ketelomer and the kings allied with him, the kings of Sodom came out and met him in the valley of Shova, that is the king of the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high, and the blessed and blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abram from God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have been raised, I raised my hand to the Lord, rather, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken on an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. Because where did Abram's richness and fullness come from? God, right? And of course, he wasn't going to come against Melchizedek. I mean, one thing that I always get, also get hung up on is, are all the little mini Jesus' stories, Jesus' stories and representatives of Jesus. And you're like, Melchizedek is kind of a preemptive piece of Jesus, right? Um, don't want to get into that, but what I do want to get into is, did you see anywhere that anyone told Abraham that he had to give? He gave out of his own free will. He gave out of his own free heart, own ability to say, I'm going to give this back. I'm going to give this. My abundance, I'm returning to you. The things that I give, I give freely unto you. I give with my heart. I'm not being told this at all. This is me telling that I want to thank God for everything he's given me. And that's what we're here to do. Thanking God for everything he's given us. And it is up to us in our hearts to do so. In the back of our sanctuary here, you see black boxes. If it's in your heart, feel free to give there. Let's bow our heads this morning in a word of prayer over this morning's offertory. Father, thank you for this opportunity this morning again to be together, to evaluate our hearts and where they are. And Father, these gifts that you've given us, this opportunity to give back what you've given to us, Father, a small portion of what you've given us, Father, we can't ever repay the gift of Jesus on the cross, the tremendous sacrifice that is. But Father, the gifts that we are giving, Father, bless them, let them use, be used to further your word and further your kingdom, and bless this church, this congregation, our community, and everyone around us. In your amazing, immaculate name, amen. Pastor Steve. We have Pastor Mark <clears throat> with us this morning little elk, and I mentioned earlier that he grew up in South Dakota, like I did, but there's something deeper that we have together, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. We're one in the Spirit. We're one in the Lord, and when I met him, I knew that right away. I could tell it. I guess I can see it from your eyes, Pastor Mark, coming there. Pastor Mark is pastor at the Cass Lake, Cass Lake CMA Church, 
and uh, also represents the First Nations people in that denomination, and uh, I mean, for the whole nation. <clears throat> We're just so thankful to have you here today and to hear your story and to hear the story of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're gonna hear now. So we'll have you come up. Let's give him a greeting here. Your brothers and sisters, I've been praying for, been asking the Lord when I could come and visit. And he said, today's the day. So I come to you in the name of Jesus. And um, yeah. As brother mentioned, I'm a pastor there in Cass Lake. Um, I'm a student at Oak Hills Christian College, where I'll be graduating next week, so you're all invited. <laughs> it's been a long journey, and I, in this life of Christ, this path of ministry, I got to do some pretty awesome stuff. Um, the Lord allowed me to go to Israel to study for a semester last year, and it was really eye-opening. But I've also got to see people grow through the different ministries, teaching, preaching, discipleship, um, teaching art. Just, I feel most fulfilled when I see people growing, and when you see people that you pour into, you see them teaching other people. It's beautiful. And one of the things I get to do is I teach archery. So in the summer, I travel, well, every Thursday night um, in the church, on one floor, we teach beadwork, and then downstairs, we teach archery. But I also travel to different reservations during the summer. And I want to share with you, this is a compound bowl, and you will notice the different parts have different colors. And you can actually share the gospel through this. So let me share that with you. So this black upper limb is dark, which represents sin. Now, sin separates us from God, right? And this part that's painted red, this is called the riser. And the riser is important because all the weight and the forgiveness rest on this part. So it's only, it's only um, fitting that it's painted red because it represents another riser, someone who rose from the grave, Jesus Christ. So our blood, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, his blood paid the price for our forgiveness of our sins. And when we trust in Jesus as our Savior, our sins are washed away. The Bible says they're washed away white as wool, and so the handle is painted white. Now this blue lower limb um, represents baptism. And baptism is the outward expression of our, of our faith in Christ, telling the world that we're believers. This green oblong cam at the bottom represents growth. Now, if you're familiar with the wordless book, there's an acronym, G-R-O-W. When we come to the Lord, we grow. G, we go to church. R, we read our Bible. O, we obey God's word. And W, we witness. We give a reason for the faith that we have, as the Apostle Peter said. Now, this, the bowstring is interesting. It's blue and yellow, and it represents, it means that 
if the gospel and the Holy Spirit, the word of God are intertwined in our life, then we can take trust and have comfort knowing that we have an inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. That's why this round wheel up here is painted gold. And I think it's really powerful to use a compound bowl to share the gospel because the truth is, if we're living our lives according to Christ and the gospel, then we should have a compound effect in our families, our lives, our churches, and our communities. Amen? Amen. So I thought I'd just share that. Share what the Lord has been doing. I'm going to do what we, I like to call a pre-tomony. Share my testimony and share a message. So those are the things I've had the opportunity to do in Christ. But I wasn't always a believer. I wasn't always devoted to the Lord's work. You see, I grew up on a Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota. And growing up, like reservation life, you heard the stories. You, there's suicide. It's off the charts. You know, um, you could go to the CDC website and you'll find that Native Americans have a higher suicide rate than any other people group. So I got to witness these things firsthand. But growing up, I had my challenges. I was bullied in school and in the community. I was bullied in school because I had a stutter. I was smaller than everybody. I had long hair. And um, I was bullied in the community because my mom and dad went to church. Um, and so I felt like I didn't fit in. I felt like I didn't have a place in this world. I felt like I had no identity. So longing to belong, I, to fit in, I try to think logically. As I'm growing up, I'm watching other people, watching their behaviors, their lifestyles, their choices. And everybody was drinking and doing drugs. So I thought that maybe I just needed to sell those drugs so they could be my friends. People were drinking. Maybe I needed to be, drink more than anybody else. But during this process of trying to fit in, I became an alcoholic and a drug addict. I had three brothers who passed away, a sister passed away when I was younger. And in that lifestyle, I ended up going, being in and out of jails and treatment centers. And there came a point in my life where I just said, I accepted it. This is my life. There's nothing left for me. I guess I'm just going to be this way. I thought my life couldn't get any worse. But in 2015, it did. A girl I was dating, she was killed by a drunk driver. A couple months later, my best friend John took his life. And I had a 14-year-old daughter who was going to a residential boarding school. And I didn't know. I was so caught up in my own pain. I didn't know my little girl was going through the same things I was. And she was being bullied. So some people made my daughter feel like she couldn't be in this world no more. So my little girl hung herself in the bathroom. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to respond to that. You hear stories about this happening in the next community. Maybe down the street. But for it to hit so close to home. I was, my world came crashing down. A year later, my mom passes away. And through all of this, I was an IV drug user, shooting up methamphetamine. 
And during that process, I, I gave up. I lost my will to live. And I was walking in darkness. The enemy had his way with me. He would say, you don't deserve to be alive. Maybe you should take your life too. You're not a good father. You didn't even know your little girl was hurting. I ended up in jail. And in that jail cell, after a couple weeks of detox, I, I looked around and saw the condition of my life. I was in this cell block that was underground and it was symbolic to my spiritual life. I was dead in my sin. I was facing time. And I sat there and I looked around at all the other men that were sitting in the cell block and I said, how has my life come to this? I didn't wake up with a little boy saying I want to be a strung out junkie, a man on his way back to prison. So I, I remember I was having memories. The only memories I could recall were of my daughter and my little girl trying to get me to go to church. My daughter used to try to have me come with her. She used to try to tell me about Jesus. Little did I know my little girl was evangelizing me. And so that night, I cried out to the Lord. I said, if you're real, I need to hear from you. Because my whole life, I knew there was a creator. But I felt that if there was a God, then maybe he forgot about me. Or maybe I did something and he just didn't like me. My whole life felt like a personal attack. So I cried out. And that night, he gave me a dream. And this dream, I walk into this place, and there's a bunch of people there. And there was a man on stage speaking, but I couldn't hear him. But whatever he was saying, the people were getting encouraged. They seemed to be growing. So I needed to hear what this man was saying. And in that dream, I'm fighting through the crowd. I'm trying to push my way to the front. I get halfway, and there's an old, old grandma there. And I ask her, so what is he saying? She said, shh, he's speaking the words of the prophets, the apostles, and the Messiah. I didn't know what that meant. So I kept pushing, and I get to the front, and I'm shocked because I recognize this man. And it was me. But it wasn't the 149-pound, beaten, broken, drug addict having that dream. This man was speaking with authority. This man was healthy and strong. This man looked free. I woke up that morning and I said, God, that's a beautiful dream. But how dare you? How dare you show me something like that? I'm not capable of those things. The Lord said, alone, no. No, you're not. But follow me and you will be. So I said, what do I need to do? I just want to be free of this pain. He put on my heart things to do, and I followed his plan. One of those things was to get help from my drug addiction, to go somewhere to receive healing. So I went to a long-term treatment program. I was there for almost nine months, but something started happening there. I started reading the Word of God. Every time I picked up that word, I felt something happening in my stony heart. Something, something that I, I felt when I was young, and it was life.
So the more I read God's word, the more I felt it coming back. After the completion of this program, I knew I needed more. So I prayed, and God sent me here to Minnesota. I came to Minnesota to a Bible college, and that first semester was hard. It was like growing up all over again. I didn't understand what the teacher was saying. I wasn't making friends right away. I didn't fit in. I thought I made a mistake. You see, I had given up a ride to an art institute in Santa Fe. And the Lord sent me up here to Minnesota in January 2019 when the snow was this high. <laughs> I'm looking at my phone at pictures of Santa Fe and looking out the window like this is a mistake. <laughs> but then that summer, I, pers- I persevered. And God brought three special people into my life. You see, before my daughter committed suicide, a couple weeks before that, she told me that she wanted to be an organ donor. And she was excited and passionate about it. It was reflective of her nature. So when she passed away, we honored that wish. And God worked through that dark time and brought hope to five other women through organ donation. And I got to meet three of them. One of them was a little girl. She was a foster child. Her, when I got to meet them, her, her foster mothers told me the story. She said she gets a call one day. There's this little girl, three-year-old little girl who might not make it. But they asked her to open her home so she has a comfortable place to live before God called her home. I didn't know that God was going to do all this. And today, that little girl is healthy and thriving. This past summer, she ran in the Transplant Games of America and won seven medals, six gold, one silver, I believe. And she's, these organ donor recipients are thriving and just living for the Lord now. So that brought me healing. The Organ and Tissue Donation Foundation heard the testimony. They went to film this meeting. And they surprised me. They brought the lady that received my daughter's heart. And I got to hear her heart being a stethoscope. And when I heard my daughter's heart beating in another person, I heard the Lord say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I, that moment, I said, my life is yours, Lord. I'll serve you at whatever capacity. Because I couldn't comprehend how the Lord was weaving and working things that man cannot orchestrate. Only a holy and a righteous God. I want to share. They made four videos. I want to share one of them with you this morning. So let's look at this video. Let me tell you a story about a princess, a slave, and a king. whose heart was so huge, so giving and so loving. She was so beautiful, 
she danced with the stars. This princess made an alternate choice to give of herself to some people. She gave hope and life, she left. She went to be with the angels. And it was that act of kindness which led a slave to, to come before a king, and that king granted him freedom. My name is Mark Little Elk. I am from the Rosebud Sioux Tribe in Rosebud, South Dakota. And the characters in the story I'm talking about the princess, her name was Jasmine, who was my beautiful, beloved daughter. And that slave was myself, who was a slave to addiction and to worldly things. Yeah, he <clears throat> wasn't really into the Bible at the time. You know. she, uh, he was kind of exploring you know, daily life as a young, as a youth, ever since he lost. He lost his daughter. After it took a while for him to hurt, to heal. But now, now he's understanding where that healing comes from. It is because of what my daughter did, which inspires and motivates me today to try harder in everything I do, whether it's from running, to drawing, to painting, to studying, to, to talking to people. I share the story to point you to Jesus. To give glory to God. Amen. Amen. Jesus has set me free from a lot of things. And he's a prison shaking savior. So I want to encourage you to seek him for healing. To set you free. Now I'd like to share from God's word. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to Acts chapter 16. We're going to go through verses 25 through 40. As you're turning there, let me give us a little context. Paul, Paul and Silas went to Philippi. And as they're walking through the streets, they come across a, a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. And the people who owned her were making money from her. And as they're walking through, this woman kept coming up and saying, these are servants of the Most High God. They're going to proclaim the way of salvation. And it says, Paul, after a couple of days, he goes and heals this woman. But those who were making money off of her, they got upset. And so they 
took Silas and Paul, they beat him and put him in jail, which brings us to our passage here. They were beaten and they were locked up. So let us read, starting in verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, don't harm yourself. For we are all here. And the jailer, he called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, this is beautiful. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, this is powerful. Listen. He said, believe. Amen. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them and rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come now, go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly. Uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. And have thrown us into prison. And do they now want to throw us out secretly? No, he says. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates. And they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. And they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Amen. Let us pray. Holy, gracious, loving, forgiving Father. Lord, we come before you as your children, seeking you for all things, Lord. We ask for wisdom, guidance, direction. Lord, we pray for anybody here this morning who needs healing, Father, that they would receive your touch. Anyone who needs freedom, Lord, we ask that you will shake the prison walls and the chains will fall off. Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you that we could come before you and worship, Lord. We thank you for the word that you so graciously gave us, Father. May it edify us, convict us, lead us to repentance and encourage us to serve your kingdom purpose. Holy Father, we commit this time to you in the precious and powerful name. Of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Have you ever been to jail before? No, don't answer that. <laughs> I have. 
<laughs> sadly, many times. But I have very rarely met people who were singing in jail. So when I read this story, I'm like, it says Paul and Silas were up late around midnight singing. They were just publicly beaten and humiliated, and here they are singing. When I read this, I like to imagine they're singing my favorite hymn. I heard an old, old story. How a savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary for a wretch like me. That song probably wasn't written then, but that's what pleases my head. It says that they were singing and praying. They were singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were listening to them. That alone, brothers and sisters, is a powerful witness to God. That bars, chains, and locked doors, it wasn't enough to dim the hope that these faithful servants had in their God. The darkest jail cell could not shut out the light that they had in their hearts. The joy amidst suffering and persecution is a powerful evangelistic message to those who are listening in that prison and to us today. Let that be a lesson to us that in times of trouble, when we seek the strength of God, we are witnessing to those who are watching. And trust me, there's a whole world watching. The songs and prayers of the saints to a holy God, it caused the earth to shake. Think about that for a second. God the Father can make the earthquake. He can shake any prison that, you're, prison that you're in. People will say, so what? The area around Philippi, they had earthquakes and tremors. But must understand that this one happened at the right time and at the right place. In God's time. It says the sleepy jailer is awake by the move of God that night. He becomes full of fear, probably fell off his chair. His job and his life were on the line. They escaped, he's probably thinking. Probably thinking, what would the authorities do to me? Whatever consequences that that jailer feared that night, they must have been so great because he decides in that moment that the best logical thing to do was to take his sword and end his life. Now, if you notice, this earthquake is so powerful, but not powerful in the sense that everything was destroyed, but that God shakes things in a way that's unexplainable. I mean, can you explain how this prison is shaking? It says the foundations were shaking, but everything was still intact. Can you explain how just the chains were loosened? Think about this for a second. In Israel, they have a church called St. Peter at Galigantu. And it remembers whenever Peter denied Christ. But at the bottom of it, they have first century prisons that were excavated. And so when they were in prison, they were tied up like this. Verse 26 says, immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. The Lord can do that. He can make the lame walk. He can make the blind see. I think of the awesome things he did, even through King Hezekiah, 
When King Hezekiah was threatened with defeat by the Assyrian army, he prayed. And what happened? The next morning, 185,000 dead enemies later. I mention this because the Lord can do the unexplainable and the most illogical ways, making possible what they say is impossible. Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying to the jailers, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Do not do it, was what Paul was saying. The jailer calls for torches, and they bring in some light, and trembling with fear, he falls down before Paul and Silas. He falls down before them and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And what did they say to this jailer? How did the servants of God respond to this request? They didn't give him a list of things to do, did they? No, sir. Listen to what they said. All they said was, believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Not just him, but his family too. And what a blessing Paul and Silas had. They got to share the word of the Lord to an entire family. There's something special about that. This verse really tugs at my heart because I'm a, I'm an evangelist at heart. I'm just evangelistic nature. So when you're in the, the opportunity to lead people to the Lord, it's a special time. The gates of heaven open up for lost souls. In that same hour, it says, the jailer washed the wounds of Paul and Silas and the jailer was baptized. He washes, then he too is washed. The jailer washes the stripes of God's messengers, then he himself is washed of his sins. They celebrated with food, and they were full of joy. They had a potluck, pot blessing. <laughs> they were celebrating, brothers and sisters, because of their new right standing before God. It's a beautiful thing here. The jailer is forgiven of his sins, and he is forgiven on the inside, and his immediate outward expression and his response was care and compassion for the Lord's servants. Then all of a sudden, it says in verse 35, the authority sent the police saying, let those men go. Now, I never heard any cops say that to me. <laughs> they were letting Paul and Silas go. But Paul, he knew the deal. He knew that the harsh treatment was illegal. According to Roman law, Roman citizens had rights and were under the protection of Roman traveling in Roman territory. They were beaten without having a fair trial. They skipped the due process. When Paul's proclaiming Roman citizenship, it makes him imprisonment illegal and it goes against Roman law and custom. But I want you to understand something. That Paul, he had two chances to walk away in this passage. One, when the earth shook. And second, when they were ordered to be released. But listen, Paul was concerned not about his personal rights, but the integrity of the mission and how Christianity was perceived. Paul and Silas, they didn't break any laws. 
And the Christian movement was young at this time, and it needed a good reputation if the witness for Christ was to flourish. It wasn't about the reputation of the messengers, but it was about the gospel message. Paul wanted the record to be set straight. Paul wanted things to be made right because the authorities were trying to release them in secret. They were trying to sweep it under the rug. They were trying to cover up the injustice and the false imprisonment. Paul responds by saying, no, let them come and take us out. When the magistrates heard what Paul said, they got scared. They knew it would be all kinds of trouble. The magistrates knew it was them who were breaking the laws. And to avoid any kind of extra work or expenses, they apologized and asked them to leave Philippi. On the way out of town, it says that they stopped by Sister Lydia's house and encouraged the brothers and left. They probably shared the testimony of what just happened. Probably encouraged them. Probably went to the brothers. Hey, brother, you'll never guess what just happened. We went to Philippi. Paul casted out this demon, and they got mad, and they beat us in front of everybody. They humiliated us. They illegally put us into prison. But we prayed. Amen. We prayed, and we sang songs to God. And the God that we serve, he shook the prison, and the chains fall off. Glory, glory, glory. The apostle Paul, he was blessed. You read the Bible, you see all these awesome and great journeys he had, but you also see the struggles and the things that happened to him. The more I read about Paul and his life in Christ, the more I want to see the world. You know, I have a brother who has my dream job. He works for an organization where they send him to foreign countries to train churches and leaders in evangelism and discipleship. His past mission, he was at a foreign city of 3 million people. His assignment was to visit 300 churches. And when he met that goal, off to his next mission. He also has his challenges, just like the Apostle Paul. But like Paul, my friend goes knowing the risk. He goes understanding that we live in a world that's hostile to the gospel message, but he's willing to pay the cost to follow Jesus. Even if it costs him his life. Crossing every state line, every time zone, every international border, whispering in prayer the words of Paul when he said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I pray my friend and others like him, that they finish the race at a very old age with many testimonies to God's grace and his power. You see, the Apostle Paul, he was willing to die for the gospel. He had two chances at freedom. Like I said, he was more concerned about the integrity of the message. So let me ask you a question. What comes to mind when you hear the word prison? For me, I think of a federal holding and transfer center in Oklahoma City that I was in. Or a place called The Hill, Sioux Falls State Penitentiary. For some of us, 
When we hear the word prison, we may think of a physical place with bars, concrete, gun towers, shackles, and chains. But did you know, brothers and sisters, that some prisons can be mental or even spiritual? Did you know some people carry their prisons around with them? Paul was imprisoned by the enemies of the gospel. They were put in a cage by the enemy of the Lord Jesus. And today we find ourselves in prisons fashioned by the enemy of our very souls. But it gets worse. Sometimes we find ourselves in prisons of our own making. Most of our prisons are made up of our thoughts about us, our life, and our identity. Our past can shape how we build these prisons. We may feel the need to seek approval of others or meet certain expectations. We can be held captive by our emotions and our feelings. How much time do we spend in anger, plotting or seeking revenge because of what someone did to us? I'll tell you right now, you're released from anger and resentment through the forgiveness and healing of Jesus Christ. What about worry? The Bible says not to worry, but we do it anyway, don't we? What about pride and jealousy? Pride and jealousy is a prison I try to stay out of, my friends, because when you're in there, it's just you, the devil, and his demons. So many different prisons, but I'm here to testify that before you and before God that there's hope in Jesus. God can set you free. Repent, turn from your ways and all things, acknowledge God. Trust and believe in faith that Jesus died for you and receive him as your savior. Let me say, brothers and sisters, that if you feel you're in a hard place in your life right now, if you feel like you're in a season where you feel there's no escape from the challenges that are before you, I encourage you to take, take the posture that Paul and Silas did. They sought the Lord in prayer. They even sang songs to the Lord. After they, they were humiliated and dragged off to prison, that's what they did. They sang songs unto God. They were innocent and falsely imprisoned. You may feel like what you're going through is unjust and unfair. You may be thinking, why is this happening now? What did I do to deserve this? Paul and Silas, they could have been upset and frustrated for their mistreatment, but they turned to the Lord. And what did the Lord do? He shook that prison. Amen. They put their trust and hope in the Lord. They handed over to the Lord all their sorrows, all their pain, all their fear, all their doubt, everything that is heavy. Because Jesus said, come to me who are weary and heavy laden. And praise the Lord. He said, I'll give you rest. They put all these things into the hands of the Lord, and the Lord shook the world on their behalf. The prison doors were open. Jesus set Paul and Silas free, and during that process, the jailer comes to faith. You see, when we persevere, 
when we, when we count all our trials as pure joy, when we have joy amidst suffering, it's a great witness to the world who is without hope, the hope in Jesus. You see, the jailer and the world, they are confused when they see Christians acting in faith and living out their hope in situations because it's foreign to them. It doesn't make sense to the world when they see Christians praising the Lord in hard times. In those hard times, the Bible says that God is the God of all comfort, who comforts us during our affliction. But in turn, this is powerful, in turn makes us a source of comfort. Whatever you're going through, seek the Lord for your healing. Because then that testimony, that testimony of the Lord will help someone. Someone who's struggling right now, you can reach out and tell them the truth that there's a better way. Encourage them to follow Jesus. We're all slaves to something. In some situations, we need liberating. What's interesting is some prisons we walk into and we shut the door behind us. So what are you a slave to? Let us strive to open our eyes every morning the way Paul opens the majority of his letters by saying, I'm a slave of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I want to thank you so much for allowing me to testify. I pray that you're encouraged to seek Jesus, the one who has the power, the one who saves by his grace. Let me pray for you before we end our time. Father, you are good. You are gracious. Lord, I pray that the testimony would, would encourage people to turn everything over to you, Lord, in full surrender and allow your Holy Spirit to do a work in their lives. Lord, we love you. I thank you for my brothers and sisters at Ten Strike Community Church. I ask, Lord, that you would have blessed them, keep them safe, Lord. Encourage them and use them for your kingdom purpose. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. That was so good. Let's stand up and reach out a hand here. Maybe if you want to come up here with me, let's just pray over Pastor Mark before we go to Pop Blessing. He's going to join us in the Pop Blessing too. <laughs> Hallelujah. We thank you so much for this dear brother. Thank you that our hearts are knit together in you, Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for evangelists. We thank you for those that have that. And Lord, we thank you that that spills over on all of us. 
that anointing to tell the good news to a world that so greatly needs it. That precious blood of Jesus is so powerful in the midst of the darkness to transform, to set the prisoner free. And we thank you, Lord, as Pastor Mark is graduating here very soon. We thank you for that anointing that is growing, 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 growing in him, that ministry that you have for him. Oh, Lord, we thank you so much for that, the anointing of your Holy Spirit. We know it's not by might or power of the flesh, but it's by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you helped him to persevere through those hard times, even in school, and like a whole different culture up here that he was experiencing. Lord, that you helped him to press through. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. And we thank you that's going to carry right on through here now, too. In these days, weeks, months, years ahead of ministry, we thank you so much that we could connect in our church family with him today. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone in agreement said, Amen. Amen. And if anybody would like more prayer, please be free to. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you for that blessing.